We've been in a series, but every teaching in this has had a different title. But it's all been really about a transition time where people get promoted, get into a new position, maybe a new relationship, uh, new different things, or move up to a higher level. And we've talked about all different aspects of this. Uh, Well, not all, because there's probably a lot more that could be said than eight weeks so far. But we're going to talk today about being not neglected. And we're going to talk about this from more from, this would be true in a business sense, but it can be very true in a church sense in certain uh, realities. And so we're going to look at this. If you'll turn with me to Acts the sixth chapter, it's going to be the the first verse we're going to read. But in growth, can be neglect. And that's important to know because, you know, in growth, there are dynamics that work that can create like byproducts. And when I say that, you know, when we increase in a schedule, it, you have to be more purposeful because things can get neglected. Why aren't the dishes getting done? We're, you know, because somebody's playing a video game. But there's other reasons why. Because we got too busy. And and neglect can come as a result of growth and increase and different things like that. For example, if you have a restaurant and all of a sudden it starts to get real busy and you were comfortable with the people you had and you were able to meet everything and you're just moving along, and it's, it's wonderful. We have our own little group. We know all the players, all our employees. We got the regular customers, and all of a sudden, somehow the news gets out. Something changes a little bit, and all of a sudden, people just start coming, and they start coming and coming and coming. How many of you know that neglect is probably going to happen? Not on purpose, but you just don't have the the manpower. So while you're going through this transition, there are some dynamics that those who have been there a while are going to need to know. You with me? How many of you realize some things that Jesus taught made more sense in a few weeks than they did the day he taught them? Meaning a couple days before Jesus was crucified, he, he got with his disciples and he laid out some teaching that had never been taught before. You can't find this stuff in the Old Testament. He started teaching about how very quickly there's going to be a new day and the Holy Spirit, whom you've recognized around me, is all of a sudden going to be in you and you're going to be functioning with him and... Uh, See you later. Well, what does that mean? And he gave dynamics. He said he would be a comforter. He'd be a counselor. He'd be a strengthener. He would be all these different things. And he taught them characteristics. But how many of you realize you could be taught something that is very important, but it may not be applied for a couple of weeks? And so it doesn't have the full thing to it. Like, they were familiar with the Holy Spirit, but they weren't familiar with Him living in them. 
and taking the place of Jesus where they would go to Jesus, and now the Holy Spirit would be in them communicating in a different way, and they're used to one way, now they get this new teaching, does it really altogether make sense? Probably not. The way we're taught it is the Holy Spirit's here, so we're recognizing him. They did not have him for a short time, but within days there was going to be a change, and then what was taught made more sense. And I know some things like this that we're going to teach can make more sense in a week or two or a month or in different scenarios. For example, we realize in a busy situation back to the restaurant, all of a sudden we're real busy. How many of you realize that we need to hire? So all of a sudden, the first thing we do is we start a hiring uh, stage. Hey, we need more people. We need more this. We need these people. And then you train those people once you get hired. How many of you know they haven't answered the problem yet? It's Santa. He's practicing <laughs> landing his reindeer coming up on Christmas, you know. Uh, did anybody notice that? That where was it? Costco had Christmas trees the other day. So I went out there and put my Santa list in there. I'm like, hope he gets it. I mean, if he does, I'll get a brand new Porsche. If not, it's a hoax. Sorry about that for those who, yeah. Anyway, but you think about it, then eventually this process of growth, after you've hired people, trained people, they come in to help you. Here's the thought. In times of growth, in times of transition, there is something fundamental to those who will hear and know what's going on. It can take some extra exerting of individuals who are already there to help people to get through. You can't rely on the new people you hire. You can't rely on the new people that are getting trained. You, you rely on the people who you get to a certain place. So what you have to do is realize this. If you're an early settler, you know what I mean? You've come to the land before others have come, that there is responsibility. For example, if you started a new town out west and you know, you're part of a group that settled it and it's got some very desirable things, you know people are going to be coming. When they come, they're going to be like, woohoo, but how many of you know that if you want roads, you're going to be the one to create the roads? You're, there's going to be a little bit more required of you to get things in motion for what purpose for those who are coming. So are you there in Acts the 6th chapter? And we're going to talk about not neglected, but negotiating growth and change. This is true in different businesses. I mean, I've been there before when I worked in commercial construction. There were times we had jobs and all of a sudden we, we would bid jobs that we thought were going to start at different times so we would be okay this job will be finishing, we can kind of manage people. But there have been times in that company that I worked for, 
all of a sudden, it was like five jobs came at one time. We didn't have the manpower. The people who were already there had to pick up the slack to make it through this growth and transition. And so I want to look at this from a Bible standpoint. Are you with me? How this could be applied in a church setting, a business setting, any of these different areas. It's just good wisdom. And like I said, some of what we are taught today may be more applicable next week or the week after or in the future. But it's good to have stuff in you so when something happens... Like all of a sudden, you know, I know there are a number of people in the church that work in the loan industry. And uh, they work where people are originating loans and refinancing. And I know refinancing is not that big today uh, because the rates have gone up. But when they were low, it, it made for a demand. And I would talk to different people and they would say similar scenarios to the restaurant. We've got so many loans all of a sudden that came in. Everybody's having to work overtime to manage this and we're trying to hire at the same time. How many have realized that is a real dynamic that can work in a lot of places? And as God brings increase into your life, these principles are important whether you are leading or you are a player on a team. Because there's an old saying, when, when the water goes up, all the boats float. And so you want all the boats to participate. Well, you're the boss. They're the boss. No, these are opportunities for us to grow too, and we all benefit from these things. And so let's look at this scenario when it happened in the church. And this happened in, in a way that really just brought great neglect in a good time. It seems odd to make a statement like that, that neglect can happen in a church. Because don't we go to church to have all our needs met? Or to have some void filled? Uh, now, I'm not saying needs aren't met even in these times of neglect. Spiritual needs can always be readily met. But in this time of growth, you're going to see that there was real neglect because they kind of had just gone beyond their capabilities. So in Acts, the sixth chapter, in the first verse, it says this, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, notice it doesn't say they were being added, they were multiplying. There's a big difference between adding and multiplying. I learned that in about ninth grade. No, I, I learned that before, probably eighth grade or something. No, we learned that early on. You know, first we learn about adding and subtracting. You know, one apple and two apples is... You guys don't even know, do you? I'll, I'll tell you. Three apples. This, right, this, I'll keep it simple. One apple and one apple. Two apples. I mean, we got this. We learned that, you know, adding and subtracting. But then when we talk about multiplication, if we say, you know, five 
apples times four, we're thinking, wow, that's 20. That, that, that's a lot more. Sarah was confused. You look, oh, Austin did this calculator. Anyway, he's all, yep, that's right. But uh, we realize multiplication is a total different thing. And so when the Bible puts words like this in the Bible, they're for our learning, they're for our admonition, they're to help us. How many of you realize if things are multiplying here, those who are already there are, man, they are valuable. They are valuable. In ways that maybe even a person that's there may not even realize. And so now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint at church, they're complainers. That is impossible. The, this couldn't have been a real church. No. It says, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. How come these people are getting stuff? We, our people are not getting stuff. What's the problem here? And they're complaining at church before service started. Who ate the last? You know, it's Donut Sunday next week. Who, who got the last cherry fritter? I went and grabbed a napkin. I was coming for that. You know, and complaints can happen. We should be getting more of this kind of donut, or we should, what, I mean, complaints can happen from, somebody got my parking spot. I always park against that curb. But this neglect was a needful thing, and, and what had happened, they had grown to the place quickly where they had outgrown their structure that could meet things. And so they're going to have to go outside of the box. And in, you know, and when we say outside the box, I know that's a, a secular term. You're going to have to go outside, you know, regular uh, ways of recruitment, so to speak. If you read the scripture, there are different ways that they would get leaders trained up and developed, and it was more of a slow process. And you can see here that, that all of a sudden there was such a demand, they had to tweak. And you know, that's one thing about leading or transitioning into some things. There can be hard rules that we know that always work, but in some conditions... Uh, there needs to be an exception to the rule. You know, when I first started the church, I came out here by myself. I knew God had dealt with me to come. You know, Maro and Rita came and, you know, different ones. They're here today. And they were here that first week. You know, we had a group of people and I was thinking, yeah, we got a group of people here. And, uh, but they were all from out of town. And they left and went back. Now, what am I going to do? And I remember when I came here, I had no music. It was me, and it was me, and then it was me, and then it was me, and I was going to do this, 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 and this. 
And I remember going to Viewpoint where we were first doing our uh, first service where we started the church in this clubhouse there in this room where there was a restaurant and uh, or it was a banquet room. And I'm trying not to tell people, hey, I want to use this to start a church because I thought maybe they wouldn't be too inviting of it, you know. And so I just, hey, how much does it cost? And this one lady I ran into her, she's the head over the whole thing. I mean the whole thing. There's a huge community. They have golf course, golf courses, all different things. They do events like they bring people in for concerts. And I think that seats like 3,000, if I'm not mistaken. I got somebody doing a yes. And, uh, and... So they, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's a city, kind of in a city. And I think at at one time there were five or 6,000 it would grow to, if I'm not mistaken. I can always get a reference point by looking in certain directions. Anyway, and so, you know, this is a big thing. And the lady who's over the whole thing said, well, I'm not the one who... uh, uh, sets up the rental and all this stuff, but, but I'll help you. And she said, I'm actually over the whole thing. And normally I would just, you know, you go to this person. And she said, well, what are you going to do here? I said, well, I'm just looking. I don't want to tell her. And she's, she's talking super friendly. And, and she said, well, what, what are you going to use it for? And I'm thinking, let's just talk a little more. And so I'm talking, I'm like, wow, this is a great size and everything. And she just goes back, well, what's it for? I said, well, truthfully, I'm from Southern California. And, and I would, I I'm, I'm, believe I'm supposed to start a church. You know what her words were out of her mouth? This lady doesn't know the Lord, not saved. After talking to her, her belief system at the time was different. If I explained it, you'd go, okay. And the first thing out of her mouth is, who's doing the music? I'll do it. Well, that is not how you do it in the rule book. (laughs) And when she said that, something in me where the Holy Spirit dwells went ding. And I went, all right, we'll do it. I'd never heard her sing. But I thought it can't be much worse than me. And so if it's up to me, at least we got one more person come to church. So I got two. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to take up the offering where I don't have to run and hand the basket and run back and pray and then, you know, do all the different stuff and run around. I, I mean, I got one more person. We have doubled before we've even started. And here is the thing about it. She said, it's so wild, you know. She said, there has been something in me for six months or eight months. See, and I didn't know this at first, or I would have probably said, of course, yes. But I, I, she started explaining, you know, I, my degree actually is not in business management. That was secondary. She said, actually, I have a degree in music. My teachers used to think I was going to be a professional. That's what I would do for a living. And so 
six, eight months ago, all of a sudden this real desire, like I should change my career and get back into this music thing. And she said, what's so wild is we bring in some big name country people uh, to do these concerts. And she said, and we have a person who's over that, just like we have a person who's over renting things and stuff like that. And she said, I told that person, uh, you don't need to be around. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick the person up. And she, she told me this. She said, I'm going to, she had figured this out herself. I'm going to talk, ask this person how they made their transition from what, where they were to be professional and they're going to help me. And so she starts doing this with different ones. And she said, nothing has worked. And she said, no, what? I believe this is it. And when it went bing on the inside, I went, this is it. I remember I did not hear her sing until the morning she sang in church. And when she sang, I did an extra hallelujah. <laughs> How many of you know your head can give you problems about the leading of God, but if you'll really know them and follow them, God's not going to lead, lead you into bad pastures. The Bible said he's our shepherd. He's going to lead us beside still water into green pastures. And those leadings are going to be good. And even though they may seem confusing at first, I remember I didn't tell people. I found this, well, I didn't find her. God brought us together, this lady. And I'm going to have her lead worship because if I told any pastor or the majority of them that I'd know, they would have done the finger cross thing like you just saw Dracula back up. You know, like, this is wrong. You don't do that. You know, you need somebody saved. You need somebody filled with the Spirit. It was so wild. She was open to God, and if she watches this, she moved back to, to uh, uh, Wisconsin. And, uh, but she couldn't have a baby. Her and her husband had been trying. I remember the first week after she got done, she said, wow, you know when you're up there, you can really feel God. I haven't ever felt Him like that. She said, something happened. She said, this is good. This is right. About the third week, I said, I want to pray for anybody who needs prayer. She just walked right up and said, I can't have a baby. I'm in my 30s, you, you know, or later 30s, mid-later 30s. We, we cannot. We've tried whatever. She said, but, you know, after hearing and God moving, and I just think God had some mercy and there were other things happening. I laid hands on her. I remember the power God went into her. I mean, she falls down. She doesn't even know. She hasn't ever watched Christian TV to see you're supposed to do anything. She got up and went, that's it. I got it. Well, she's still got to get it with her husband. That's a different thought. Because you don't just get it through the laying on hands. Only Mary got it through a word. And so... Hey, if we're not past third grade now, we're not getting this. We're in trouble already. We, that's a whole, oh, Lord, come quickly. No. And, and she went out the door because her husband didn't come. And she said, we're having a baby. He prayed for me, and he rolled his eyes. She told me after. And do you know, right away, she was pregnant. I remember about halfway or three-quarters of the way through, she started having major problems, and I get a call in the middle of the night. I said, don't worry. You're not going to lose that thing. 
meaning your baby. It's not going to happen. Pretty rough this morning. That thing. Well, didn't the Bible say who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord? So you could say, hey, good thing. So that baby was a thing, a good thing. And um, uh, thankfully, I knew a couple of scriptures to bail me out. And, and literally, uh, you know, she had that baby, and that baby is grown. But what I'm getting at is I had to kind of go outside the rule to make it work, but I didn't just do it. God led me in it. And in this case, we're going to see that as they're growing and being neglected, they went out some of the st- outside some of the standard rules by which we see later on is adhered to. Sometimes people need to hear this stuff so that when it happens, you don't freak out and go, I can't do that. Because I had those things. I thought, oh man, I can't tell anybody. Because I knew what people would think. It, it, it was bad enough after it was all settled. She had given her life to the Lord. She got pregnant supernaturally and naturally. And uh, all this stuff you know, has happened in her life. Then people look back and go, hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> but when it's happening, they're not all hip, hip, hooray. Like, what are you doing? But, you know, if you're going to be a boss someday, you're going to have to maybe do a couple of things that not everybody's going to go, yay. Amen. We'll just keep reading. And verse 2 said, Then the twelve... So, the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Verse 2. How many of you know not all good ideas at first seem like maybe, yeah, let's do that, because we can get stuck. That's why I believe the Lord dealt with me last week about stand up. Are you ready? Because sitting down, you know, just standing alone gets a person in a position to do something. But here in verse 2, it said, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. What they were basically saying is, We have this call to do this thing, but what's going to happen is, if we change what we're doing, we're going to fix this area of neglect, and we're going to create a whole new area of neglect. And it's not just going to be the widows of one group or another. It's going to be everybody. So they, instead of choosing certain people in certain ways, they do this quick, like, here's what we'll do to bring a quick change. Because remember, in the context, the numbers are multiplying. They've got to get their hands on this real quick. Because if they don't get their hands on this real quick, there's going to start being more neglect. There is a good chance that they're going to end up having to do this again and again if the numbers keep multiplying. And, and they do. And it says, so that verse 2, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And it wasn't like they were above serving because they had learned to serve around the Lord. 
it wasn't that. It was just they had grown. They were in a position. They were walking in a certain thing. And they were, that's how the growth was coming. And they said, we need to get some other people involved. And then it says, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. What he basically said is, hey, you guys out there know these people better than we know these people. So you guys come back with an honest consensus about some of the people that are among you. The normal way to do it is for a leader to get to know people, grow relationships, see them come up and move them into a position. But you could see they are so stretched, they're going to have to trust somebody else's opinion. They're going to get a general consensus, not just from one person going, yeah, they're a good person, but from others who have had encounters with them. So they said to him, and this is a change. He said, therefore, verse 3, brethren, seek out from among you seven men, first of good reputation. Well, if, if these are new people and the numbers are increasing, I, and, and I'm Peter or whoever, one of these leaders, I may not be able to interact with these people at such a level I know their character. I'm not hanging out with them because I, there's just too many people and too many things going. So look for people with good, good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. In other words, check out their spiritual life. See what they're doing with their spiritual life because what they're doing with their spiritual life, their reputation, we're going to push them up real quick here. We're, we're going to put them into a position and find out if they have wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. In other words, you may observe and check it out and see, yeah, this is a good person, this is a good person, and they did pick some people, and then, but we'll do the appointing. How many of you realize even people in an organization, whether it's a church or a different one, sometimes people go, well, this person should have got the promotion. It's not that people in positions aren't seeing value in people. But how many of you realize the leader still is responsible for the ultimate decision, whether it's in the corporate world, you know, in, in a family restaurant, or whether it's in a church? Everything is going to come back to the responsibility of the leader. So you can't get upset if you, if you know, and I'm sure it was probably true that there was more than seven they picked out there were probably some that were pretty close to making the cut on the seven. And there were probably some people who had interactions with some of these other people and said, man, they're, they're good. They, they can really do it. They're able to lead. They're wise. They give good answers. They're able to communicate. They're faithful. You know, they're spiritually, you know, they got it going to the level they have it going. And there could be people vying to promote this person, but the push comes over here, and then the leaders say, you know what, out of these ones, these are the seven. 
people need to realize in times like this, don't get your feelings hurt. Because you realize this, this is like a dynamic that's happening that they hadn't seen the likes of. And so it goes on to say, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. In other words, we're going to get after it with God, we're going to be ministering, and we're going to keep this thing in motion. And it said, and the same pleased the whole multitude. Well, when you can please a whole crowd, that's pretty good. But I think these people did have enough knowing that they realized this would benefit the whole if we could get some people who are spiritual with these different qualities and get them plugged in because this will help not only these neglected widows, this will help the whole dynamic. And it said, and the same pleased the multitude, and they chose Stephen, and it goes through a list of people. In verse 6 it says, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now realize this, these people met the characteristics, but even us, you know, we, we look at people evaluate people who go to work in children's. They fill out a big form. We do police background checks. We frisk them. I mean, we do the whole thing. Okay, we don't do that. But, I mean, we do background checks. We do different things to our ability. But how many you realize in, in something that's moving faster, some things would have to change with, with different areas? And it says here, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. Notice, by plugging these people in and continuing the motion of what was going on, things were multiplying, and it created this, but then all of a sudden, it even was multiplying greatly. It got bigger after this. And this wasn't the standard, this is how you do it. And we're going to look and see that they did some things in the early part of the church that may need to get taken back out. I heard this the other day. If you want to learn a new thought, maybe read a real old book. Because what happens sometimes is some old thoughts get lost. And they read something old and you realize, oh, look at this, and then it becomes new again. Groovy, right? That word comes back. It was an old word. So I'm like, what are you talking about? But there are old thoughts, there are old ideas that if they could gone back and looked at, you could say, hey, that has an application today. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. And we can see here in the Bible, and we're going to look at a couple other verses here before we leave, how the early church kind of tweaked some things when they grew and when they were pushed into certain things. And, and as they were growing, certain things happened. Look at this in Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 12th chapter. Now, regardless of where people are in their development, Gifts are given to people. I remember hearing that and, 
hearing, you know, everybody's got different spiritual gifts. And I remember sitting after I gave my life to the Lord and said, nuh-uh. But I knew I was called to the ministry, but I'd go, no. And I wasn't thinking because the person next to me doesn't, even though I knew I was called, I thought, well, what are my gifts? But there are gifts in people. Notice this in Romans 12, verse 6. Having then gifts, gifts differing according to the grace or the gift that is given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. Let us use them. There are times where certain gifts are cultivated and then you kind of put it into motion and it gets used. There are different scenarios where things can get thrust upon and the motion of busyness demands uh, use of certain gifts before maybe they're even developed like they should be. Anybody who has been in a business that has really seen a, a quick jump in growth, you realize things happen on the fly sometimes. And some growth, and we talked about this before, some growth happens after a person gets put into a position, not just only before. And we talked about how people are not always qualified. The majority of the time when people get into a position, they're not fully trained. Are you with me? So verse 6 says, having gifts differing, he said, let us use them. Notice this in verse 8. We're to use them. Sometimes we can work through a process and kind of get working and get things working. In other scenarios, scenarios, you get thrust in. And these are things that I think are important for us to know because then we won't balk at things when we see it. Notice verse 8. He who exhorts on, and these are gifts, in exhortation. In other words, if you have a gift to exhort, use it. He who gives, do it with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. Isn't it interesting that he called leading a gift from God? And that he put a demand on people who had this gift. And this is one of those things when all of a sudden when it gets busy... Hey, you have a gift to lead. You need to get after it. Start using it. Whether you feel like you're the most qualified or not, if you're tapped, then start using it. Be learn, be teachable, be able to learn new things. If God puts you there, he'll help you make it through. And, and here is a thought with this. Having gifts differing, sometimes when things are said in the church, there are two voices talking. There could be more, but two we want to listen to. One, what the Word of God said. The other is, what is the Spirit saying? Why do I feel this urgency to be ready to lead at a higher level than I've been leading at. How many of you realize if water is flowing a certain amount, it's easy to direct it and do certain things. If the water really starts flowing, 
you're just going to try and stay off the bank without getting swept in. And sometimes when people are pushed into a place to lead and the waters and the currents are flowing strong, you just kind of do your best. I know that sounds can sound bad, but it can be super true. And you take the gift you have and start working with it and, and start going with it. Notice this in verse uh, 7. Different gifts. Or in ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. Isn't it interesting in this time, he said, listen, if you teach, now's the time. You're going to need to get ready to teach. If you're a leader, get ready. Get ready to do more than you've thought. These are all things in times of transition. And I am convinced in the secular world, we don't always see things coming. In the church world, I believe God can deal with people so they know something is coming or beyond coming upon them. And he can start challenging people. Let's look at these last two verses and, and, and we'll close. Titus, the first chapter, and we'll look at these real quick. And, and just talking about thinking out of the box and using what we have. In Titus, there was a, a need for people to be put into positions. And like I said, the standard, there are standard rules in the Bible to putting people in positions. But some of the verses we're going to look at and did and have looked at, they kind of went out of the normal way because of a burst of growth. And notice this in first Tim or Titus 1 verse uh, 5. It says this, for this reason I left you at Crete that you should set in order things that are Notice, lacking. More neglect in the church. More neglect in the church. Stuff is lacking. And he said, but we're going to bring order to this lack. He said, appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faith, and he goes through and gives a list. And he said, set elders. What is real interesting, turn to Acts the 14th chapter. Some of these qualifications are a little bit different than you would think later on. When the church was fledgling and, and growing quickly, there were certain things that they did that, like I said, would be a little bit different than we would do them today. But if there was a burst of something and growth and something like that, you would want to know that these things are on the shelf, that you're allowed to do these types of things. They're very scriptural. They're very clear. It doesn't, you know, some people would say you're, you're compromising. I remember I was teaching in a Bible school in another country and there were some other teachers there from another country and we had flown in and we were overlapping and I was teaching this one semester 
and somehow it came up about uh, worship people, because, you know, like Roy Hicks said, who used to be the head of the Foursquare Church and was a reputable person, he said, when Satan fell from heaven, you know, because Scripture talks about how he was thrown out of heaven, he said he landed in the choir loft. Meaning there could be problems there. Not with ours. That's why I never said that before. But these people were talking about how you can't have this in, in your music and I would never have anybody up there that's not this, not this, and if they're not spirit-filled. And you know what's so wild? That, when I was teaching there, God dealt with me, go there and do this, and I tried to go earlier because he dealt with me, when you're done with that, then the transition will come to move to Arizona. So I'm trying to get this because I want to move. But little did I know I was going to run into a people who, unbeknownst to them, were going to challenge my thinking that we're going to try to push me without even knowing you can't have a music person who's not saved. You can't have a music person who's not filled with the Spirit. You can't have this if they're not this way. And then God leads me to somebody. Now, I am not saying move away from the Word of God. I've never done that since. But I'm not close to things that I can see in Scripture. I mean, there was a lady who the Bible said God opened this lady's heart to the gospel and immediately she invited Paul and his traveling companions and said, if you've found me to be worthy, come stay in my home. Well, I can't do that. We don't know you. And they deemed it was correct and did it. Acts 14. And we're going to see here and we'll begin reading in, in 21, how they quickly appointed people who maybe weren't the most qualified. Sure, they were gift, maybe had a gifting, maybe a call, but they appointed people real quick who were not fully maybe as trained as they could be to help in this structure where neglect was beginning to happen because of great growth. Notice this verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel in the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, uh, Iconium, and Antioch. And so they had gone through this area preaching and people were just getting saved and making disciples. And it said, strengthening the souls of the disciples. In other words, they're following up now on their converse and they're preaching and getting them stronger in the Lord and exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Well, that's not what I signed up for. No, he, but that's what they said. They went back and they said, listen, there's going to be a lot of tests. There's going to be a lot of trials along the way. I know that may not sound real popular today, but that's what they did back then. They said, listen, you're going to face things. You're going to go through things. We live in a fallen world, basically. You're going to hit headwinds at different times. Don't be discouraged. You keep going on. And, and they're strengthening them, letting them know that you're going to face some things, but let's keep going. You can do it. And here we go. And, and they are preparing these people because they're going to leave again. 
Verse 23, and when they had appointed elders in every church. Now these elders were not super trained. These people had not been saved long. These were just some people that maybe were just more mature naturally than the others. Had different characteristics. Maybe they did have a calling on their life, but they for sure were not that developed because there had not been that much time. But the growth demanded uh, to do something out of the norm. And so if there's anything I want to get across today is if you'll take this, whether you work in the corporate world, whatever setting you work in or whatever, know these can have value and also know they can have real value in the kingdom of God. And, and we may not all be the leader, but we may be the one that gets tapped and we see all of a sudden something happening and it's all hands on deck and we say, oh, praise the Lord, I'll be praying for you, Pastor. No, that's not the time to be praying. Now, I'm not saying don't pray, but don't just pray. It's the day to say, whether I think I'm ready or not, Right? Didn't we all learn that? It's something we all learned when we were not young, right? 37, 38, 39, 40. Ready or not, here we go. Here I come. And so they appointed elders. And here's what's so interesting. They point, appointed elders. These people weren't super mature. They hadn't been around long enough. They appointed elders in every city or in every church and prayed with fasting and commanded them or commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. All right, guys, now you're going to have to run this and we'll be checking back in with you later. How many want to go to a church like that? <gasps> what? But how many of you know it's, it's our heritage? And it's the heritage of expansion, too.